Hi, we are the Flip the Script family. I am Lisa Verasami, a real estate agent, wife, and mom. And I am Darren Verasami, the co-founder of 34 Strong and host of two podcasts, The Nature Advantage and Leading Strong, and dad and husband. Today on the show, we will talk about what it is like for two entrepreneurs with young children to move to Barbados in the middle of a global pandemic. Social unrest, and why we made this decision in the summer of 2019. But stay tuned. Why do you live here? I have to live here. It's a work thing, said no one in 2022. Here's what I'm curious about. Over the past few years, everything has changed. There's been a global rising of nationalism, the election of Donald Trump, Brexit, nationalism policies from uh, even Prime Minister Shinto of Japan, uh, his Indian counterpart Modi, the Turkish President Erdogan, uh, the far-right parties in the Philippines, Cyprus, Italy, Germany, Austria, uh, the elections of 2017, 2018, 19, and 2020, nationalism appears to be on the rise globally. News coverage is about nationalism. We see it in the Philippines, we're seeing it in China, we're even seeing it in places like South Africa. And as a result, people are realizing that there is a growing sense of instability that has led people to re-examine their priorities and their options. Moreover, some Americans are feeling increasingly unsafe in their own country. Police violence against people of color, gun violence, mass shootings. One study found that nearly one third of the world's mass shootings between 1966 and 2012 occurred in, guess where? Yeah, you got it, the United States. On top of that, the 2020 um, COVID-19 pandemic, uh, which actually started of course in 2019, but the, the 2020 was when it really hit uh, North America made us all realize that we're not anchored to the corporate office. In fact, there's been increasingly um, examining what other options are available to us. It's in fact, it's affected business and it's also affected us as individuals. In fact, it's been estimated that by 2035, 1 billion people will be working remotely. 1 billion. So I'm really curious to discover what this will all mean to our cities, to our countries, and for that matter, how we bring up our children. Well, that's actually what we're going to sink our teeth into today. Now, stay tuned. Now, I don't know if you know this, but uh, you can actually get Curiosity Bites on Alexa. If you just for ask and say, play Dove Baron's Curiosity Bites, it'll do it for you. So I want to welcome you to another delicious episode of Curiosity Bites. I'm your host, Dove Baron. I am the Dragonist, and you can find out more about how you can hire me as a speaker or strategist for your organization or for yourself. You can just simply go to DoveBaron.com. All right, let's chomp down on a new episode. My guests today are both career-built individuals and life partners who have been examining their family's options since before the pandemic and have decided to flip the script, as they call it, on how it's all done. Darren Virasamy is an entrepreneur, a dad, husband, bassist, and nature lover. He is the co-founder of a highly successful 34 Strong, a company that creates great places to work. Darren also hosts two podcasts, The Nature Advantage Show and Leading Strong. He is also a dear friend of mine who flew up here back in the days when people could fly to spend time in my home. 
my other guest is Lisa Virasamy. She is a successful realtor with a clinical psychology background. She's the mother of two and wife and partner to Darren. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and help me welcome Lisa and Darren Thank you, Dov. It's always great to see you, my friend. Always great to see you. Lisa, thank you for joining us. It's thank good to have you on. Me. Now we get to know the real stuff. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I always like to start the show by asking my guests, what do you presently find yourself most curious about? So why don't we start with Lisa? Tell me what you find yourself presently at this point in time in, in your life's history. What do you presently find yourself most curious about? Mm, great question. I, through this whole process, I am very curious to see what's on the other side. What's outside of this bubble that we're living in and more so myself, I tend to put myself in the, the role I'm supposed to play. So when you strip away those roles of mom, wife, who, who am I outside of those roles? So oh, when, that's very cool. When we go so, to flip our script, that's all going to unravel itself, I would imagine. So you're curious about when you give up the perception of the roles, what will emerge? What will be the butterfly that comes out of the, 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 uh, the pupilla? What, what exactly. evolves? That's very cool. Darren, what do you find yourself presently curious about? You know, I'm very curious as well, similar to Lisa, about just what it's going to be like in less than six weeks from today when we depart and we get out of the bubble that we have lived in, the script that we've created, that we followed here, living, living in the U.S. We've loved it here. We do love it here. Uh, and we want to see what it's like uh, for us as a family and for the kids. I'm very curious and excited to see what it's going to be like, not only for me personally, but through the children's eyes. So I'm very, mm. very curious about that. Dov, as you know, I am an avid bassist, so mm. I've been continuing to be very curious, even though I've been playing the instrument myself for over well over 20 years now, about 22, 23 years. Um, this year has been kind of a rediscovery for me of the mm -hmm. instrument. So I've been kind of reconnecting with it, relearning it. And I'm just really curious in that space. Um, and I'm connecting the dots between uh, music and just my own energy. Um, and, uh, and as you know, on the nature advantage, I'm just fascinated by how right now, particularly in the pandemic, as people are going through coping in many ways, I, I think you and I have talked about this many times that there's, uh, yeah. there's kind of a low order post-traumatic stress disorder that's taking place for many, many people. I'm looking, I, I'm looking at nature right now as an accelerator towards human excellence and as a coping mechanism to help people manage through these times to maybe just give them some different ideas of things that are literally right there in front of them. That is something I'm highly passionate about and curious about. And I know when we make our move, that's going to put us in an environment where we change our environment a little bit and change our surroundings, our connections with, with others and uh, that we're around. And that, that 
is going to give me some opportunities to really go deeper on all of those sides. And just be more you, present. you know, it's, it's very interesting because um, due to the pandemic um, and, and what's gone on with that, many people are finding themselves thinking much smaller, you know, more insular in so many ways. And what you guys are doing is actually paradoxical because in a time when everybody's acting smaller, you're thinking about doing something bigger that is smaller. And, and of course, we'll explore what that is in a minute, that paradox. But um, I should say up front that you guys have two small children. Um, you have an eight-year-old, uh, Kira, and you have Preston, who is five-year-old so you got small kids um and let's just talk a little bit about this idea of flipping the script because you're you know moving to the caribbean sounds like one of those things that people say oh i'd love to do that yes it sounds lovely <laughs> um but they secretly know they'll never do it so let's start with what even started the conversation about the possibility of flipping the script, because this is not a COVID response. This is something that's just maybe gotten accelerated or, or made more um, obvious through COVID. But you were thinking about this a long time before. So let's talk about what started the conversation about the possibility of flipping the script. You wanna go first? Sure, sure. So I was definitely in that, that sounds like a great idea, that would never happen both. And sure. we had that conversation. So our family is very big on traveling. Mm -hmm. Instead of gifts for Darren and myself, we put the money we would use towards gifts into a travel fund or, you know, more experiences as opposed to items. So we are huge on traveling. We tend to travel every July for 12 to 17 years or 17 days. Right. And we go to a Caribbean island. So Darren's family is from the Caribbean. So we've the last 10 years or so traveled to a Caribbean island. Mm -hmm. And I would say the last probably three or four years, Darren has said, you know, I, I really feel like we need to spend a little more time here. And so that started a couple of years ago and it was maybe, you know, two months or three months so he slowly implanted in my head, maybe we should spend a little bit more time. And I thought, okay, that sounds good. Not to the point of moving to an island. That sounds good because I am I love the city. I get energy from being in a city where things are bustling. So the sure. thought of living on an island where you're, you're out on an island, it was kind of terrifying. So uh, what really escalated our thinking was last year when we were in St. Martin. And we had actually planned to be in Bali for mm -hmm. 17. So we, we extended the standard time of travel because we were going to be traveling so far to Bali. Yes. And then we ended up having to switch our plans and we went to St. Martin. So we were there for a good chunk of time. And during the time we were there, uh, there were three mass shootings in the U.S. In so during this 17-day period, exactly. you're in the Caribbean and there's three mass shootings in the u.s correct and and i think that in for many of us 
who live in that environment, it's kind of like, it's horrible, it's tragic, and it's very much onto the next thing that shows up on the news. Right. Did you find that being out of the bubble, being in the Caribbean, made it less likely to get shoved under the rug? Or maybe it's even easier because I'm on the beach, I'm having a drink with a pineapple in it, and I don't really notice. I think for me, what what hit me hard is one of them took place 30 minutes from my hometown. Wow. So I knew people who were at the event. So it hit a little bit closer to home for me mm -hmm. where we really said, hey, are, are we in the right environment for our kids? Sure. And we already kind of implanted that idea of we should spend more time in the Caribbean. And then that just escalated it from there. It just took off and there was no turning back. <laughs> right, Tom, right. What was fascinating in that stretch too, because those shootings all took place within a week. And let me connect a couple of dots backwards for, for your sure. listeners and some dots forward. So this was in July of 2019 that we went on that trip. In September of 2018, I spoke in Las Vegas at a keynote, I delivered a keynote at the Hitachi Global Women's Conference. A week later, almost a week to the day later, I woke up to the news of the mass shooting that took place in Las Vegas. And I had been in that same hotel where the, the, the shooter had been. I had been overlooking the concert ground from my hotel room one week before thinking, God, I bet that would be an amazing venue to watch a concert. I'd love to catch a concert there. So that- How, sur how surreal is that? How surreal it's is that to, to <clears throat> I mean, I've been back to where I fell, right? right. And I look over the edge and I'll be honest, the part of it is not real to me. I just, I can't really connect. Was it like that for you or what was it like for you? I'm not putting my, my projection on you. I just want to know what it was. Was it surreal? What was it? So as I watched the news breaking and heard the news of that breaking that morning and started realizing and seeing the photos of the venue, the camera angles were fresh in my brain still because I'm mm. looking over there and I'm like, that was my view from the Luxor where I was staying. And I was like, that is insane. And I walked in that same area. I walked across the street that night when I got in uh, before, cause I was speaking the next morning. So I, I, like I do when I get into any city, when I, you know, back in the day when you and I used to travel and do these types of things, Dov, yeah. uh, travel, give a talk, do a training, I get in and I love to just soak in the culture, the beat of the, the, yep. the vibe of the place. Was it surreal? Um, it was very real uh, yes. in my main. It was very real because I was. I I thought, you know, if I had gotten in the night before uh, a, a talk and there was an amazing musical performance, as you know, I'm a musician. I would have very likely gone to a, a show. I do that when I'm in New York. I, I yep. always go anytime I have events in the in the Northeast in New York. I go. I do my thing, and I always just check who's playing, and I go and I catch music. So the the realization of that very easily could have been me. And mm -hmm. the, and the other piece was that event that I did speak at 
the, they, they had had a concert. Um, the day that I left, there was a concert that was going on that night. I didn't attend it because um, I needed to get back. I had, I had another something going on that, that, that night, so I couldn't go. But there was a concert that was going on, not at the venue where the shooting took place, but right across the street. So all of that playing through your head, you can see it. And it took me back deeper to the Atosha train bombing in Spain back in the, I think it, that was in like 2004, mm -hmm. because almost a year to the day, I had been in that train station walking through and it's a work of art and it's beautiful. I, I thought the train station was beautiful and you just see these things. And I just, it really connects us on a human level in the worst of ways mm -hmm. and don't take this lightly in the best of ways in reflecting on how fragile life is and how we are only in control of living forward. And the moments that we have, we have to make the most of them here because we don't know how many we're going to have. And Dov, the final thing I'll say as I connect this forward, we returned from the trip in St. Martin. Mm -hmm. We returned from the trip in St. Martin. Kira was seven. She was going into the second grade. You know, when we were children, we would go and they'd go through the briefings of safety procedures, right? Fire drills, earthquakes. We're in California. We, I, we, we grew up in the Bay Area, close to San Francisco. And they would brief us on, okay, if there's an earthquake, get under your desk. If there's a fire, we get out, we meet here. The first day of Kira's school, an email comes home. The first couple seven hours. Seven years old. Seven years old. And they're talking about heightened safety procedures for shelter in place, which was code word for active shooter drills. My daughter was going through getting briefed at seven on active shooter components. And I respect and totally understand. I really appreciated what the school district was doing where we live because they were sure. taking it very seriously. And at the same time, it was just heartbreaking to think of living in that kind of fear for our children where what sorts of limits are our children going to put on themselves when they're hearing that, when they're growing up in that place? And as you know, I train in martial arts as well. I would hear my students that I, I, I would be instructing in high school, just talking about this kind of nonchalantly, but they were not nonchalant. They were terrified. And these are kids that could handle themselves big time, but they were terrified of But, but that's of the point that, that I really want to emphasize in this particular episode is you know you and i darren have spoken about this many times uh that we normal isn't healthy normal's whatever you got used to and we normalize all kinds of things um you know if if they did a mass shooting um cautionary you know the way you, you, your seven-year-old had to go through if they did that in a british high school it'd be an outrage mm -hmm. so not normal because that doesn't happen you know mass shootings are so incredibly rare um in places like the uk or you know other other places and i'm just using uh, or even australia or new zealand or whatever it might be and yet it's so almost nonchalantly, well, you know, that's America. You know, we, we have the Second Amendment and people have guns and, you know. And so because it's 
accepted the Second Amendment, people have guns, etc., then of course you need precautionary measures. I understand that. And, but at the same time, it seems like people don't recognize the cultural implications of what that means to a society, um, particularly when it's embedded in our children. And I find that particularly fascinating as we speak here about the decision coming from, not from, oh, wouldn't it be nice to live on a Caribbean island, but really catalyzed by the realization of the world we live in, as in our bubble, not the planet, but our bubble is becoming unsafe for our children. And what can we do about it? Because again, people normalize and therefore feel powerless. And I really want to look at that part um, before we go into break, just, just to start there with this examining the powerlessness because, you know, Lisa, as I said uh, in the introduction, you're a realtor, you have a background in psychology. Darren, you're a CEO, you're an entrepreneur, you're a speaker, you're, um, you're, you teach martial arts, you play bass. A lot of those things are sort of embedded in your culture. You're doing those things. Um, and they are things we think of as being, okay, I have to be here to be stable. You know, I can't do uh, local Californian real estate <clears throat> from the Caribbean. Um, in the old world, I, I can't be the CEO of a company in the Caribbean when my company's in California. So I really want to look at that, the confronting of this um, self-imposed prison that we all live in and how you, how you, talk to us a little bit about how you confronted this impossibility. I love paradox. I think paradox is, is a key to creativity, but this paradox of how do we become island people with a city life while not living in that city? How do we become people who don't put our kids in a, in a, in wrapping, wrap them in plastic bubble wrap and let them have a life experience, but not, you know, so, so many paradoxes here. Can you walk us through a little bit of that, Lisa? What, you know, like confronting that? Yeah, I think just along those lines, if we stay here, there's no way of ever achieving that. You know, with, with the kids, outside of the active shooter training and that fear, we've also, I've been out with the kids just running errands and we've been followed. You know, so that also normalizes, hey, we aren't even safe going to the grocery store alone. Whoa, without whoa, whoa. I got to put a pause in. Followed. Yeah. That, we, that's yeah, a, that's open that up for us. That's a Pandora's box, I'm sure. <laughs> we have been targeted at a store, followed through the store, and had to be escorted to our car because there were two men that had followed myself and the two kids through one of the stores we frequent. And we had the awareness to see what was going on, but that's also instilled in the kids, hey, we need to be careful and we aren't safe going to the grocery store, you know? 
So just the underlying, you can't do normal kid things that we grew up doing. You have to live in fear. So you couldn't go to the grocery store. Um, you know, it's not like you're wearing a sign going, please kidnap me. Exactly. Right. So how, how, I mean, I don't live in California. I don't live in New York. Um, how do you sort of get your head around that, that I am not safe in my local store? Mm -hmm. How do you get your head around that? Or don't you? I, I don't know that you do. I think right. you just well, people do every day. I mean, they live there. the reality of where we are. Yeah. And, and we don't live in a bad area. We live in Elk Grove, California. <laughs> where, however, the Sacramento region on the human trafficking ring in the United States, it's one of the stopping points that goes through. So when that has been normalized, right? So we, we couple all of these things together. Dov, we've adapted, quote unquote, mm -hmm. I do air quotes. Um, I 90, 90, 95% of the time, I do the grocery shopping. I handle that stuff. Lisa goes out, she does things, uh, and she'll do things with the kids. However, we minimize going out with the kids after dark. Mm -hmm. Now in the wintertime, when we go out as a family after dark, I am like a hawk. Everybody's in the car before I am, and I wear shoes. And if you actually know me, um, you know that I much prefer to walk around like a damn hippie, barefoot and in shorts. Like an island boy, man. Right, that's it, man. Island boy, yeah, that's it. So it's, uh, you know, but flip-flops and shorts, um, all times of year, winter, summer, spring, any time of year, that's how I prefer to walk around. I always wear typically closed-toed shoes just in the event that I need to make a dash, grab the kids, um, or be ready to handle myself or take care of my family. And that that is part of my, I, I mean, I believe, don't get me wrong, I believe it's important to be able to key in to those survival instincts as a human. It's very, very important to be aware. Yeah. That being said, I don't want our kids growing up with that being the dominant flood of chemicals in the environment that they're living in. Yeah. That moves us to a place of strictly survival as opposed to a growth mindset. We start moving into the place of a fixed mindset and that can be damaging. So when you're around that, that actually opened up the paradox of like, well, why not? How do we go from I'm possible? I'm sorry, impossible to I'm possible. Right. And how do we get there? It starts with the conversations, Dob. It starts by talking with and connecting with people that stretch the thinking that instead of right. leading with I can't, they lead with I wonder if, or right. how could this be a possibility? And a, a big hack for listeners um dream big and throw up on your wall 10 year 15 year goals that are completely ridiculous you know why because you never know what's going to happen and where it's going to connect i had goals that were on that we created in january for the next decade that i thought was going to take a decade to happen some of them have happened this year yeah. you know you, you you had victor wooten on the show i thought gosh 
it's going to be, it would be so amazing if I got to record a track with him that happened this year already. And I'm like, right. how did that even happen? Right. And it's because, yeah. well, he's home now. So he's got time <laughs> on my show. And these are things that I couldn't even conceptualize. I was like, that'd be nice, but you put it out there. Sure. And your thinking starts getting guided towards that to make those paradoxes, something that you can manage. I, I love this. I love where this is going. We're going to take a break. This is the end of part one, I am here with Darren and Lisa Virasami. And we are talking about flipping the script on doing business on parenting and what it means, and what catalyzed that we're going to come back in the second part, and talk more about that about the not just the the idea of it, but uh, how do you make it happen? Um, because I'm sure that as you're listening or watching this, you might be thinking, okay, still a great idea, but how the hell am I going to do it? Well, we'll explore that, how you might confront some of your own limitations to be able to do that. We'll be back in a little while. I hope you'll join us for part two of this delicious episode of Curiosity Bites.